Well, I think we all remember a time in our lives or the time in our lives when we got out of the shallow end and went to the deep end for the very first time, whether that was at the pool or the beach or the lake or wherever it was, you most likely remember that time in your life. Or if you're old enough to have kids or grandkids, you remember that time in their lives. Uh, it's one of those iconic childhood moments. It's one of those iconic childhood memories. And it's because even though it is scary, oh man, it can be terrifying to get into the deep end for the very first time. It is always so worth it. And that process of getting out of the shallow stuff and into the deeper things of life has it's been happening for the rest of our lives, not just at the pool, but on beyond, you know, as it relates to our relationships or our finances or our independence and so on and so forth. Now, here's what I know, and I know you'd agree with this. Anytime you've done this in life, anytime that you've gotten out of the shallows and into the deep end, two things are true. Number one, you've always been grateful and you've never wanted to go back because nobody wants to live in the shallow end. And that's what this series is about. It's called Into the Deep, and it's a series about how we can get out of the shallows and into the deep end, into the depths in the realm of our faith, in the realm of our spirituality, in the realm of God and our relationship to him. And it's because no matter who you are, um, you don't want anything shallow when it comes to your faith. No matter who you are, we all want something that's real. We all want something that's substantive. We all want something that's like got meat. It's got depth to it when it comes to our faith. None of us wants to live in the shallow end of our faith, no matter what your kind of faith you have. And, and not only that, but what we talked about last week is, is not only do we not want it, but none of us can afford to stay in the shallow end when it comes to the things of God and the things of our soul, uh, because too much is at stake. Like too many things and too many people are impacted by this all important area of our lives. So like I said last week, whether you are a curious skeptic who's wondering if there's something real to all this Jesus stuff and all this church stuff, or whether you're a hungry novice who is just looking for more and you want to just grow as much as you can, or whether you are a restless veteran who's looking for that like next step or that next level, or perhaps a cure for the stagnation that you are experiencing right now, this series is for you. And my prayer and our prayer as a church staff and a church family is that Together, we would get deeper from wherever we are, that together we would get deeper. And as a result, our faith would become more powerful to us and more compelling to other people. Now, when it, truth is, when it, when it comes to the concept of growing your faith or getting deeper in your faith, most of us, understandably, we assume, well, that's church's job, right? That's your job, Jamie. That's what you get paid for. You know, that's Andy's job. This, that's, that, that's the realm of the church. And, 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 to a lot of degree, you're, you're absolutely correct. But we saw last week, the writer of the book of Hebrews in the Bible gave us this warning. He said, hey, hey, not so fast. You also have a role to play. You have a role to play. And the sobering truth was, unless you do, unless you do, we're gonna get in the way. That God has an amazing plan for you right where you are. And God is doing his part. But until you and I step up and do our part, there's gonna be little that any sermon can do or any church service can do, or any worship song can do, or even any Bible study can, that can, it's going to be able to do to get you where you and where God wants you to get to be. So the series is, just, is about that. It's about three things that we can and need to start doing in our faith, three dials, if you will, that we need to start turning in our faith, three roles that we need to step up and start playing in our faith if we're going to get out of the shallows and go experience the depths that God has for us and that really, in the end of the day, we're looking for. Last week, we saw... 
the first one, the first of the three principles, and that was simply this, that part of the role that you and I have to play is this right here. We gotta feed ourselves. You gotta feed yourself. Just like there's a progression of growth physically that happens in life, there's supposed to be one that happens spiritually in the same way, and there comes a point in every child's life where they gotta put down the bottle and then pick up a fork and start eating for themselves. It is necessary and non negotiable. And so, and that's the, from where we launched into this 21 days of deep and we're reading the scripture and where we're launching into starting point. That's where we were last week. That was principle number one. And today we're going to look at principle number two. And to get us thinking in that direction, I uh, have an illustration for us today. I want to give you a quick update on my life. Okay. To get you thinking in the right direction, two truths in my life have recently collided in a somewhat unsettling way. Truth number one, I'm 41, married, four kids, and a job. Truth number two, vacation is coming, okay? In, uh, in about one week, my wife and I are gonna get away for a bit and we're gonna go to the beach. And that means that for the month of January and February, and for that matter, probably for a long time, uh, but especially in January, I have been in an epic battle against what many men my age and my stage of life are navigating as they prepare for their vacations and such. And that is, of course, I've been navigating dad bod, okay? Um, if you don't know what the term dad bod means, I found a, d a definition on Google that I thought nailed it and is pretty hilarious. So here it is, um, dad bod. It's the type of physique a man earns when the increasing pressures of work life, married life, and especially fatherhood no longer allow him the time or the drive to maintain a hard-toned figure. If... <laughs> if human bodies were cuts of meat, the dad bod would be more marbled ribeye than filet mignon. <laughs> or, or if human bodies were sea mammals, dad bod would be more like a grazing manatee than a speedy dolphin. The dad bod is more mudslide than mountain, soft serve than sorbet, sad trombone than clarinet, more mashed potato than skinny fry. Um, I apologize in advance what this might do for your eyeballs, but if you want an example, I give you the starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs who's won two Super Bowls and about to play in another one, Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen. That is one of the elite athletes in the NFL right there. And he goes, hey, what do you expect? I got kids. So listen, some of you, this is all that you just showed up at church. This is why God needs you to show up at church, man. You're just like, thank you. That's what I needed. I am encouraged. If Patrick Mahomes looks like that, I'm doing great, okay? Uh, so we can take that away. He's a man. I'm actually a big fan of his. Um, but that's dad bod. And the point isn't, I, what I'm, I'm not saying that every single man my age or in my stage of life has a dad bod. No, nor am I saying that all of us were like, all the way there to that definition, manatee, you know? That's not, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But one thing you do learn, and, and, and guys my age will back me up on this, one thing you do learn when you get to around our age is that you're never really that far away. That's what you learn, right? Like, you're never really more than like three months away from being on the verge of dad bod. Like, all it takes is a really busy season at work and like a series of DoorDash orders from New Lucky China, and then like, bam, you're on your way, you know? You're like downhill slope. It can happen in a heartbeat. And, uh, and I know, I know, I see some of you in the audience, you guys in your 20s with your metabolisms and all, I see some... <laughs> I see some students in the room, and you're like, what are you talking about? That's never going to happen to me. You're just getting old and fat, okay? And I'm like, hey, yeah, okay, just wait. Just wait. Wait till you're like 35, and your metabolism pieces out. 
and those like Doritos Locos tacos that you pound every, you know, every single day literally show up on your gut. We'll be waiting and laughing at you then, okay? So just wait. Dad bod is coming. It's an inevitability. Um, going to be a lifelong fight, okay? So that's just the reality. And, but here's my whole point. Uh, my point is that in seasons like this or, you know, frequently in life, like a lot of us, I find myself in this position. I find myself wondering like, okay, what do I do when I'm not entirely satisfied with the way that I look? Where I'm like, I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm like, man, I could, I could be a little better. What do you do? What do I do when I'm not entirely satisfied with the way that I look? Because it's, it's, sometimes it's kind of hard to know what to do. It's not always obvious. Uh, which is why, of course, there is like a, a whole industry of you know, trainers and physical fitness trainers, life coaches, health coaches. And, and by the way, I still remember when I was like 24 I'm, uh, at our church, um, where we were going, Bucket Church at the time, I remember meeting um, a trainer, like the first trainer I ever actually knew. And I was like, dude, what's the secret, man? Like, you look awesome, you know? And, and I still remember to this day, I've kept it this whole time. He's like, hey, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll boil it down to two things. He boiled it down to two parts, physical, you know, physical fitness. He goes, hey, your body composition really has two sides to it. And the first one is this right here. He said, uh, the first part is calories in, okay? You want to talk about like the way you look, your, your, your fitness, really two sides. One is calories in. Everybody say calories in. Calories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, of course, is where the problem starts, right? Um, to use a metaphor today, I, uh, I brought in this couch. Like, the problem starts here on the couch, at least for me. Let's say this couch represents where I consume or where we consume our calories. Like this is where I'm watching Welcome to Wrexham season two and stuffing my face with Boy Scout popcorn and Chinese food. You know, like this is where it happens. This is calories in. And man, wouldn't it be awesome? I wish this were the case. Wouldn't it be awesome if I could fix whatever problems I have or improve whatever I wanted to improve physically from the couch? That would be amazing. Like, what, like, it would be nice if I could calories in my way to fitness, if I could like eat my way to abs, you know, that'd be fantastic. But I can't, obviously. Now, now, of course, I can and I need to adjust both the quantity and the quality of my calories in. But I'm certainly not going to fix anything by dialing up the calories in, you know, by like turning that up. No, no, no. If I want to like adjust or change or fine tune the way that I look, I'm, well, the area that I need to ramp up, that I need to tune up t and, and turn up is really the second half of this equation. It's the calories out. If I want to change the way that I look, then I'm going to need to get off the couch and I'm going to need to, I need to get in the gym and work out, right? This is the picture of what I need to do, right? Say this, this, say this curl bar represents where I spend my calories. And for you, it could be any number of exercises. It could be like your Peloton, or it could be a treadmill, or it could be a class you go to, or whatever, yoga. I mean, it could be anything. But let's say this curl bar, it represents where I move from consuming my calories to actually burning them. Because when you work out, and that's what you're doing, you are like boosting your calories out. Because not only does like working out itself burn calories, but when your muscles get bigger, they burn more calories, even when you're not working out. So it's like a win-win. And listen, I know some of you, probably CrossFitters in the room right now, you're like, oh, I could lift so much more than that. Like you're only curling that much. Yeah, we know, we know, we know. This is a sermon illustration, not a workout session. Just give me some grace, okay? And I'm trying not to literally sweat through my shirt up here. So, um, <laughs> so I'm like, no, we're just, this is enough for the sermon, okay? Uh, 
But, but the, the point is, that was my trainer's point. It's like, hey, you need to go invest in the calories out. You need to invest in calories out. Because when you do, that's when you can start burning fat and or fueling muscle. Then you see stuff change. So that was his point. I remember him saying it all those years ago. And, and in a nutshell, if you get lost in the science or whatever, here was the point in a nutshell. If you want to change the way that you look physically, it's hard to do it from the couch. You got to get up and work out. Pretty straightforward. And here's what I'm getting at. This is not a sermon on physical fitness. Here's, here's the question that I want getting at. This is how it works physically. What about spiritually? What do you do when you don't like the way you look spiritually? Like, back to where I started. Let's say that you are trying to see if there's, trying to find if there's something real about God. Like, what if you are a hungry novice who just wants to grow as much as you can? What if you really are? What if you're a restless veteran who's looking for that next level in your faith and like, hey, God, what do you have next for me? What do you do? What do you do if you want to change the status quo, your status quo, spiritually? Well, most of us, if you're like me, most of us, we do something like this. We turn up our church attendance, or we turn up our worship services that we're going to or songs that we're listening to. We turn up our Bible study. We turn up our pod Christian podcast listening. We turn up, we dial up, oh, I'm going to go to a Christian conference, and, and, and that's what's going to do it. Most of us, when we want to change the status quo, what's going on spiritually, that's what we do. We do something like that. And it makes total sense because our thinking goes like this. The more God works, the deeper my faith gets. The more God works, the deeper my faith gets. And so that's our approach. You're like, oh God, I'm here. I'm in my seat. God, I got my AirPods and listening to what I'm listening to. God, I got my book open. God, I got my Bible open. Work. Does that sound familiar at all? I think that's probably most of us and how we approach this side of our lives. And here's what I want to simply propose today. I think we're getting it backwards. Or at least many of us might be, especially those of us who are Christians, because, and here's why, there's something that is so obviously true in the physical realm that we struggle to see, and it's much harder to see in the spiritual realm. And that's what we're going to discover in the passage that I want to read to you today. And where we're going to find principle number two of how to get out of the shallows and into the depths, into the deep, into something deeper in your faith. Um, and I'm going to tell you, what we're going to read today, the principle that I want to talk about today, it has done more to grow my faith than anything else, than anything else. I used to think that I was deep in my faith, and then somebody taught me this principle, and it opened up a whole new realm of like development and growth and experience in, in my personal faith. So I'm really excited about talking about this. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, if you're kind of like, man, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm figuring it out and whatever, so glad that you're here. Um, you picked a great Sunday to come and a great church to come to. We're so glad that you're here. But here's, here's how important I think this is. I really think this could be the thing that convinces you. I'm serious. I think the thing that we're gonna talk about today, if you actually go and do it, I think this could be the thing that convinces you that Jesus is worth following. And so I'm really excited to talk to you about it and I hope you'll try it. But that's how important I think it is. And, and the passage we're going to read, this principle that we're going to find, it's over here actually, I'll turn to it, um, is found in the letter or the book of the Bible that we call 
Philippians. Philippians is in the New Testament and it's written by the Apostle Paul, you know, the missionary that traveled all around the Mediterranean Rim and planted churches everywhere. And the context is actually relevant here. It's pretty irrelevant. It's always relevant. But um, Paul planted this church in Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony. Paul traveled there, told people about Jesus, started a church. And so he's writing to a group of people, not only that he knows really well, he spent a lot of time with them, um, but now he's writing to them from prison. So that's interesting. He's writing to them from prison, can't be with them. And he is really concerned about him. He loves them, planted this church, and the future of their faith is of highest importance to them. This is personal. And so he's writing this letter, and the whole point is he's trying to push them forward, try to, to go forward and go deeper in their faith more than they ever have before, because it's all he has. He can't go there and be with them, so he's going to write them a letter. He's like, no, I want to push you forward. He cares a ton. And he's about to give them a game plan to do just that to go forward in their faith, to get deeper in their faith than they ever have <clears throat> before. But before I read it to you, before I read the game plan to you, I'll first I want to read to you the result that he is promising. I want to read you the result that he is promising if they'll follow this game plan, promising to them and incidentally indirectly to you and me today. Here's what he is offering you today. I'll read it off the screen because you can't see my Bible. He says this, then, if you follow this game plan, what, what I'm about to say, then you will shine among them People like stars in the sky. Do you follow this game plan? You will shine among others spiritually. Like if you've been to the pool or been to the beach and seen somebody who stood out among the others and you were like, you know, if you're with your spouse, just be like, it's you, babe. Um, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. We've all seen that. So he's saying, hey, I'm about to give you the formula for how to become that kind of person spiritually. Someone who has a quality to their soul and a quality to their character and a quality to their faith that stands out, that shines among others. That's what I'm about to tell you. Which is a pretty cool promise. It's like, man, if you're promising that, I at least want to know what you're going to say. Like, I'm at least curious. That's the game plan that he's about to talk about. And here's what's fascinating. Just like the trainer I met, he's about to take us right back to the idea of calories in and calories out, calories in, and calories out. I want to read you the calories in part first. He says this, for it is God who works in you. Everybody say works in you. Yeah, there you go. For it is God who works in you to will, to want the right thing, and to act, to do the right thing, in order to fulfill his good purpose, his really, really good plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, and it is God who works in you want to do the right thing and act to do the right thing towards his purpose for you. That's God working in you. Anybody ever experienced God working in you? You ever experienced God working in you? Like when you hear a sermon and someone's preaching, you're like, oh my gosh, it's like he's speaking to me. How did he know? You know, it's like, does he have telepathy? Like what's going on? And then the sermon just hit your life. It was like what you needed to hear, it gave you the encouragement or the direction or the whatever you need. That was God working in you. Or maybe you were singing a worship song or listening to one during the day and you're like, oh my goodness, that's what my heart needed. You know, when your soul needs a song and you're like, I didn't know I needed those words. But when I heard him, I was like, oh yeah, 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 that's what I needed 
needed to hear say, sing myself. That's God working in you. You've experienced that. Many of you have. Or when you were like reading the Bible, you know, and that passage of scripture, it was just like so applicable. Or it was so convicting or it was so helpful. And it was like God working in you. Or maybe you were just listening to a podcast. A lot of us listen to Christian podcasts and stuff like that. Or you're reading a book about your faith or theology or something. And whoever it was, was like dropping bombs. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're like highlighting everything. And God through somebody else, he was like working in you. Maybe experience that in some way, shape, form or another. That's calories in, right? You experienced God and he worked in you. That's really important. It's really, really important. It's calories in matter. And that's where we started last week. This idea of moving from the milk to the solid food. Like, man, you got to get some calories in and not just the milk. Like you got to move on to solid food. It's massively important. It's, it's crucial. It's non-negotiable. But here's the thing. Uh, this passage is not about calories in. This passage is about adding something to it that is equally crucial to your faith. And here's how I know this word right here. For, for it's God who's working in you. See, the thing that Paul's about to tell you to do is not this verse. No, this verse is the motivation for the thing that Paul's about to tell you to do. For it is God working in you. The thing that Paul's about to tell you and me to do, and it might be new to some of us, I don't know. It's actually in the verse before, and that's what I want to read to you. It's the calories out. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence when I was there planting the church and like we were hanging out and getting to know each other and became really great friends, but now much more in my absence because, oh yeah, he's in prison, can't go. So here's what I want you to do. Here's the game plan. Continue to work out your salvation. Everybody say, work out. Continue to work out your salvation, or this is synonymous with your faith, and do it with fear and trembling, like it's a really big deal. You gotta continue to work out your faith. He's saying, he's essentially saying, hey, people of Philippi, you wanna know the game plan for changing the way you look spiritually? You wanna know what the game plan is for getting out of the shallows and going deeper in your faith? It's a whole lot more simple than you think. Here's what you need to do. You need to get off the couch and you need to go work out. You need to work out your salvation. You need to put your faith into practice. You need to do something God is calling you to do. You need to develop a habit that God is calling you to develop. You need to change a character trait that God wants you to change. You need to go like love someone that Jesus is calling you to love. Go forgive someone that Jesus is calling you to forgive. Go be generous to somebody who's in need or who's hurting or who's like down on their luck in our community. You need to go like invite a neighbor to church. You need to go volunteer uh, in Wamaland and Upstreet. You need to go be a, a small group leader, oh man, in our student ministry and just give your life away to the next generation. You need to go like be a small group leader for adults and help somebody find their faith. You need to go start a Bible study at work. You gotta get off the couch and just go, go like work it out. Go apply your faith, go put it into practice. You actually don't need to spend more time sitting here. Now, if you're like most Christians and you're like most even semi-religious people, this is where you spend all of your time, or at least all the time that you allot to spiritual matters. You don't, you don't need more calories in. No, you need to go send some calories out. You need to get in the gym and do this. You need to work out your salvation. You need to work out your faith. That's what he says. Let me put this down and catch my breath for a second. Ugh. He says this. He says, 
Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for, 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 because since it is God who is working already in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. That's the secret. That's the game plan. Just to put it another way, put it simply, he's saying, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to work out what God is working in. You gotta work out what God is working in. You gotta work out what God is working in. You gotta work out what God is working in. That's how you change the way you, work, you look spiritually. That's how you get out of the shallows and into the deep, into deeper waters in your faith and in your relationship with God. Why? Because what's true of us physically is true spiritually. What's true of dad bod is true of God bod, okay? You, you can't do it from the couch. You can't do it from the couch. It's not enough just to let God work in you. No, the calories in are meant to be translated into calories out as you work out your faith and develop a quality and a strength and a depth that you never had before. East Cup Church, that's just how it works. A deep faith is an exercised one. A deep faith is an exercised one. Man, I, I'll bet... A lot of us need to hear that this morning or be reminded of that this morning. I know I do. And here's why, because I, I think a lot of us in life right now, in our spiritual life right now, are just doing this. We're just sitting on the couch collecting church experiences. I think a lot of us in our life right now, like the main thing that you're doing like me in many seasons of my life is you're just sitting on the couch collecting church experiences. I mean, just listen to how we talk, especially Christians. Listen to how Christians talk. It's always about sermons and worship songs and Bible studies and podcasts and Christian conferences. Just collecting. Go to church and collect experiences, change church, get another couch, go to a different experience, go to a different set list, go to this conference, that conference. Listen, I'm not hating on that stuff. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. No, I love those things. Do you know what I do for a living? I create most of those things for a living. That's, that's what I do, and I, I, I love them, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with experiences. There is just one problem, though, and this is what I'm trying to point out. It's this problem, that deep is not a collection of experiences. It's not... The church services that you go to, uh, whatever Bible studies you're involved in, personally or with other people, um, the worship songs that you listen to, the three preachers that you listen to kind of cyclically online, by themselves, they're just the shallow end. I hate to say it. Shallow end. Because deep is not a collection of experiences. No, no, no. Deep is a collection of applied experiences. Deep is a collection of applied experiences experiences. Sitting in a three-day Christian conference doesn't make you a deeper Christian any more than sitting in a garage for three days is going to make you a car. That's not how that works. But I'll tell you this, sitting in a three-day Christian conference and then leaving there and actually going and doing something that changes you and blesses somebody else, that could change your faith forever. And the same thing applies to Bible study or to the worship songs that you listen to or any of the stuff, the experiences that you have. The depth is in the application. And this isn't my idea. <laughs> I didn't make this up. This isn't my idea. This is Jesus' idea. This is one of like 
the things he said over and over again. Like, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, at the very end of it, he said, hey, listen, this is really important. I got to end my sermon here. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice and puts them into practice is like a person that builds their house on the rock. They're going to build deep. They're going to build deep. They're going to have a deep foundation. But hey, Anyone conversely who hears these words of mine, collects all these sermons and all these songs and all these events and all these experiences and does nothing with them. They're like a person building the sand, shallow. They're just getting a little shallow scoop. Because deep is not a collection of experiences. Experiencing, experiences by themselves, that's just overeating. It's just overindulging. Deep is a collection of applied Experiences, which is why I'm convinced, is why I imagine in his, I mean, short, precious three years of ministry. You know, Jesus did everything he did that you know about in three years. That's kind of intimidating. Make you look at your own life. But anyway, uh, Jesus did what he did in three years. And it's why I believe in those three year period, he sent his disciples away to preach and serve people at least twice, maybe more. And honestly, if you're just auditing that, you're like, Jesus, I mean, honestly, can't that like wait, you know? We got like three years here. Don't, shouldn't they just, they should just stay and spend time with you. They can go later. Jesus is like, absolutely not. No way. It is not enough for us to spend three years working in, working in, working in. No, they got to go and work out. Why? Because there's something unique that happens when you go work out what God is working in. And the same is true of you. Same is true of me. For example, you go be a transit volunteer. You show up on Sunday ready to give your life away to some middle schoolers over there in transit tent land. I promise you, you will get deeper. Either that or you'll quit, but you'll get, you'll get deeper. You go, you're going to get deeper. You, uh, you go invite a neighbor to church. Like you love them unconditionally and just serve them sacrificially and one day you sense, man, they're looking for something and you invite them to come sit with you. Let me just tell you, you will get deeper. God will do something in you. You go serve somebody in our community with your time or with your finances, somebody who's in need, doesn't have a house, doesn't have food, needs help with their kids. You'll get deeper. I'm telling you. You'll get deeper in your character and you'll get deeper in your soul. You'll get deeper in your heart. You go... How about this one? You go decide to conquer a sin in your life. Like actually change something you know God wants you to change or that your family needs you to change. You know it would be for the good of those around you. And you like go do the hard work. You make some hard decisions and deny yourself and you invite accountability and you lean and fall on grace. You will get deeper in your soul, in your character, in your heart. You'll just, you'll just get deeper. You go and do, for that matter, any of the things that we preach and sing about all the time, just pick one of them and actually go do them. Not just hear them, not just sing them. You go do them. And I'm telling you, you'll get deeper, whether you mean to or not, because you can't help it. That's just what happens. That's just what happens. Because when you work out your faith, you know what happens? You see for yourself that God is faithful. You see for yourself that God is powerful. You see for yourself that God is real, that God is alive, that he is up to something in the world. And he is much closer. He is much bigger. And he is much better than you ever thought. And in the process, you start to develop whew, some spiritual muscle that you never had before. And you find the depths, you find the depths, you find the depths that can only be accessed through exercise. This is how it works. East Cobb Church, we can't, we can't just be experienced collectors. 
can't just be experienced collectors as great as they are. We, we got to stop trying to change the way we look spiritually from the couch. Doesn't work any better spiritually than it does physically. Why? Because while, while great experiences and delicious calories in are absolutely a part of the picture of spiritual health. At most, they are only half of the picture. At most. The other half is what we do with it. We got to work out what God is working in because faith is in that category of things that grows through exercise. That's the category it's in. And so I, I hope that this is helpful to many of us, maybe challenging to many of us. I hope maybe it's unsettling to some of us. It has been for me. Why? Because maybe you're realizing, oh, this whole time, like a lot of people, no guilt, no judgment, but a lot, I've had it backwards. Like every time you've wanted to change anything about your spiritual life or your faith, you've gone to the couch, not the curl bar. And I'm excited because today you're going to change that. We're going to change that. We're going to change it together. And if we do, if you do, I'm telling you, or, or better, Paul's telling you, Apostle Paul's telling you that something extraordinary is going to happen. And this is the last verses in this passage that we're going to read. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything. Go work out what God's working in. Working out's hard. You got to get up early and like, ooh, the gym. He's like, but go do it without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He's like, man, there are a lot of crazy things going on in our day. There's a lot of crazy things going on in our day. Same, you know, same times. And then we get to the verse we started with. He says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. That's the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And then, check, this, check out this last part. He says, and then I will be able and you will be able to boast on the day of Christ, like, hey, when it's all said and done, you'll be able to boast and I'll be able to boast that I did not run and you did not labor in vain. So, hey, if, if, you, if you'll do this, if you commit to this, all of your experiences that you're racking up Sunday after Sunday and through a lifetime of whatever it is you do, all of your experiences, they will not be in vain. Now, why would they be in vain? Well, one, because you got to work out what's being worked in or it's just kind of overeating. But I think it's more than that. Two, it could be in vain because there's a whole world of other people who are looking for the same light that you've stumbled upon, who are looking for the same grace that you've gotten so undeservedly, who are in need of the same generosity and compassion that your heavenly father has lavished on you. There's a whole world of other people that are hungry for the word of life that is so powerfully working in you. And he's saying, hey, you got to go work out what God's working in because a faith that is exercised shines. It shines. It doesn't just stay here. No, a faith that is exercised, it shines. And when you shine, not only will you be distinct, but you will be attractive. You will be, it will be effective. It will be powerful and God will use it. And, and, and all of his working in you of great effect for you will not be in vain for those around you because you will actually pass it on. You got to go work out what God's working in. Not only because it's the pathway to the depths that he has for you, but because it is the invitation for someone else as well. Do you see that? That's what he's saying. I didn't run in vain. So, go work out what God is working in. And with the last few minutes that I've got uh, as we close, 
I just want to give you a few practical ways that you can start doing that as you get in the gym, start throwing some weights around right here, right now, spiritually, obviously. And your job is to pick one that you're not doing and start today. That's, as your pastor, what I'm challenging. That's the challenge I'm laying down for you. Don't just hear all this and go eat lunch. I mean, go eat lunch. But also, pick one that you're not doing and say, let's go. I'm gonna work out. I think we should do all the ones that I'm about to read, by the way. It's my aspiration in my personal life to do all of them. But I think you should pick one at least that you're not doing and say, hey, it's time. I gotta get off the couch. So here they are. Here's a list. Um, if you wanna work out what God's working in, go serve someone. Go serve someone. This is what we do around East Cobb Church. This is who we are. We're on a mission to love where we live, to love others as Jesus has loved us. Uh, and we, our, our hope is that every single one of us in our daily with rhythm, our weekly rhythm, our monthly rhythm, we are serving someone in our community. And you can go right out there. There's a table with iPads where you can find out this information, or you can just go to our website, eastcobbchurch.org slash serve, and you can see all the ways that you can serve here on Sundays, investing in the next generation, give your life away to some kids, who need to know about Jesus and how to build their lives and where to go, and all the ways, any day of the week, that you can serve people in our community who are in need through our partners like Must Ministries and Kids to Leaders and on and on and on. And if you wanna, wanna, wanna uh, work out what God's working on, go serve someone and start now. And, 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 and I promise you, you will get deeper. Watch what God does in and through you. Secondly, um, if you want to work out what God's working in, go be generous somewhere. Go be generous somewhere with whatever resources financially God's given you. Remember, Jesus is about percentage, not real amount. He teaches, that's his core of his teaching about money. Uh, with whatever finances that God has given you, go help someone else go further faster and bring in the love of Jesus to our community. No matter who you are, um, if you are a Jesus follower, we're all commanded. Everybody should have a plan to financially support their local church or at least the local activity of the kingdom of heaven in their community. And that's my challenge to you. If you want to work out what God's working in, go put your money where your broken heart is. Remember we started that in early, we're there in January, what breaks your heart? Go put your money where your broken heart is and see what God not only does in you, but what he does through you. Go work out what God's working in. Number three, uh, invite someone to church. If you call this your church home, we all ought to be doing this. We all ought to be doing this. But if you want to work out what God's working in, then go love your neighbors unconditionally, serve them sacrificially. And when you notice somebody who's looking for God or looking for some help or looking for some freedom or looking for some healing or looking for a connection with God they haven't had before or just looking for a community, invite him to come sit with you. And I promise you, you will get deeper. God will work in you and he will work through you and it will take your faith to a new level. Go do that. Or here's the last one. And this one is the one is kind of like base level. This is the one I wish if you did nothing else that we would at least decide to pick up this challenge and start flexing these muscles because I think if we all did just this one, it would change the world. I really do. Um, and it's this one. Let's read and listen. And I probably should have added worship with action. Let's decide to start doing that every single time we read, listen, and worship. Gone should be the days that we just come and sit and eat and go home and we just gorge on the buffet. No, no, no. Let's read, listen, and worship with action. Um, or another way of saying this, hey, let's be the real deal as a church family. Uh, there's an area of your life that you've already read about, you've already sung about, you've already heard about, and you already know what God wants you to do. Go do it. Go change it. Go let God redeem it. I don't know what it is. It could be your temper and how you treat people. It could be your finances. It could be God's plan for your life. Go be the real deal. God is working in you with all the power and the freedom and the grace that you need. Go unleash it in your life. 
And I'm telling you, if we all just committed to start doing this, and many of you already are, and I'm so grateful, but if we all just decided to do this, I think it could change our community. How, how powerful would our faith become to us and how compelling, how much more compelling would it become to those around us? This one, we all gotta do. But anyway, this is a list, a starter list. If you wanna work out what God is working in, go serve someone, go be generous somewhere, go invite someone to church, or just start reading and listening and worshiping with action. Let's get off the couch and start working out. Quick word of encouragement. You remember that list of people I had in the beginning? I got a couple of words of encouragement. If you're a hungry novice and uh, you're looking to do, do this, I, want, I just want to encourage you, don't wait, okay? You're like, oh, I'm not qualified to serve. No, 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 no. Listen, God uses unqualified people all the time to do things for his kingdom. And I'm telling you, some of the greatest times of growth in my life were when I simply said yes to an invitation from God to work out what he was working in that I had no business saying yes to, but I did. And he showed up and he came through and it changed my life. Don't you dare wait. Start now. Uh, restless veterans, um, don't let your resume be an excuse, okay? Uh, this is really tempting for all of us because you've probably done a lot of stuff, okay? You like have a big, long resume in, in your background, but I'm telling you, if you've been on the sidelines for a minute, you gotta get back in the game. You got to get back in the game. You got you to start like serving again. You got to start inviting people to church again. You got to start like giving financially again to wherever your heart is broken um, because that's who we are. This is what we do. You, do not sit on the couch, okay? It is, these are not the depths that you're looking for. And by the way, muscles that can grow can also atrophy and you want to stay sharp. You want to stay strong for whatever God has next for you or whatever life is going to bring your way. You keep those muscles toned and you keep in the game, okay? So don't let your resume be an excuse. And then finally, um, Curious skeptics, um, if you want to get an actual taste test of Jesus, don't go listen to another sermon. Do this. Go love where you live. Go live like Jesus and love like Jesus. Do you know he said the number one characteristic of a Christian uh, wasn't that they go to church, though they do, and that's important. They said it was that you, they would love one another as he has loved them. And I, I just, I, I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. I dare you to go live like Jesus and love people like Jesus and see if it is not the most compelling thing on the planet. Like I said in the beginning, I think this could be the thing that convinces you. That convinces you that Jesus was right about everything. So try it. Why not? So that's it. If you were sitting here and Jesus was your trainer, no matter who you are, and you were like, here I am. Do your thing. Uh, I think that's exactly where he would start. I think he'd say, yeah, that's the first problem we need to solve. Here you are. You need to get off the couch and you need to start working out. Why? Because the shallows can be explored through consumption, but the depths can only be experienced through exercise. So I'm praying for you, church, as we get off the couch and collectively find a way to pick up the curl bar and start working out what God is working in. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the challenge to go exercise our faith, that you like want to involve us in what you're doing, that you could use little old me to just help somebody else, love somebody else, bless somebody else. Not because I'm so great, but because you're so great. That's pretty cool. I pray that we take up your invitation today and we get off the couch and we start working out. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard and the courage to do it. And may we experience depths that many of us maybe have never seen before or perhaps haven't seen in a really long time. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.